Hello and welcome. You're listening to Need to Know. When it comes to navigating college and beyond, there are just some things you need to know. Like, is college worth it? How do you deal with student loans? And how should you choose your major? That's where this podcast comes in. We're Christina and Michelle, the hosts for this podcast. Join us as we answer some of your biggest burning questions about college and debunk the myths about the application process. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Christina. Hey, Michelle, can you hear the difference? (laughs) In your microphone? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm so pumped. I got this new fluffy little thing on my setup now. I'm feeling a little bit more profesh, but (laughs) shout out to my friend, Chris. So what are we talking about today? Uh, We're actually going to go into study abroad today. Ooh, I think this is like one of the the most memorable things that we've ever done, or at least I've ever done in my college career. I don't know about you. Honestly, I feel like everybody I know that's done study abroad, the study abroad session is the defining moment of college for them. It is the most memorable thing. Um, In my case, like with my memory, yeah, my thesis was kind of cool because that was like a show that I did everything, but study abroad ranks highest (laughs) when I think about college. Yeah, and it's something that you take away with you to in your personal life with the memories and then as well as um, just with the friendship that you've built over time. And um, you just like, I don't know, for me, it was just like I've always loved Denmark and I think that will forever hold a place in my heart. Um, and mm-hmm. every time we go back to high school, I think I will never not say take a study abroad semester never (laughs) i actually i'm one of the people that i feel like it should be a requirement for graduating college and um just for context for people that are listening from abroad in the united states uh, a lot of times study abroad programs in college are about the first time that somebody may leave the united states so it might have a bigger impact here culturally um just because you typically don't see a lot of people that have the opportunity to go abroad until they're in college Yeah, and it's one thing to leave your hometown to go to college, and it's another thing to leave your home country and go to another country to study. So I think there's that Mm -hmm. differentiation. Um, But let's jump right into it. Um, So, I mean, we both agree unequivocally that it's definitely... Yes, there you go. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for my mic that I can't pronounce words today. Um, (laughs) Like, yes, we both agree that this is something that is definitely worth your time and it's definitely worth going. Um, I want to hear your story about your teachers. Oh yeah. So I had um, just a little bit of background. I went to Singapore for study abroad and I decided to go my first semester senior year for a whole bunch of reasons, most of which didn't have to do with my schoolwork. Um, But when I told my teachers I wanted to go abroad and they were like, oh, it'll be your senior year, they actually refused to let me go at first. So um, part of the reason I wanted to bring this up with the question is that he brought really that worth it is because my teachers were very, very cautious. They were like, this is the semester you're supposed to be looking for internships. This is when you're supposed to be like looking at jobs. Um, this is when you're supposed to be hardcore networking. And I had to go and get the permission, written permission of my teachers in order to let me go because the school was actually going to withhold that from me. Thank goodness I am very persuasive. So um, what ended up happening is after uh, about a week's worth of like just 
talking to each teacher individually within the program and being like, yes, I want to do it. I want to go. Let's do this. Here's why sort of thing and outlining everything. I did get permission to go. And in the end, I ended up learning more in that single semester in Singapore than I had for the rest of my college career previous to that point. And the fact that that was something that the teachers actually recommended against me going really stands out in my mind. And I feel like study abroad, um, as long as you're in a program that is going to be a good fit for you, and we're going to talk about how you figure that out um, ahead of time in a minute, uh, as long as you're in a program that makes a lot of sense for you, it's Oh, yeah. And I, I definitely agree with you when you said um, that you've learned more in that one semester time frame than you had in all four years of college, because I definitely felt the same way with college. Um, but I also mm-hmm. thought it was interesting how different students from different countries study and like just like their study habits. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> in the States, we, I come from Micah, so like we're always like work, work, work all the time, 24-7. Whenever you're awake, you're working. Whenever you're sleeping, you're working. LOL. That's a really good inside joke. Um, but like it's true. We're like mm-hmm. always working. But you go to another country, especially in Europe, right, where I studied. And just a really quick background. I studied in Copenhagen um, for sustainable urban design. And it was night and day people here don't study as like long in terms of the the number of hours they spend on their schoolwork um they're but they are super focused when they do study so it's like there is a difference between the cultures and the way we study and then i also went to um finland to learn about their teaching and learning models and it's completely different and that's why they have the best um education system in the world right now it's because of the way they figured out how people learn and you know right when you're a student when you're younger you learn from your older uh counterparts and then when you're older you teach the things to your younger counterparts so it's like a learning and teaching process um and we can talk about all of that later but i think i want to loop back to what you were saying about the different programs right and figuring out which one would be a good idea for you right exactly Yeah, so um, just kind of set the scene for anybody who really hasn't looked into study abroad yet. You're typically dealing with um, three different types of programs. So there's going to be school one programs. Those are things that your school has set up. Um, It may be that your school has a location in another part of the world that they can send you to. Maybe that they have a sister school set up sort of thing. Um, But those are things that are dictated by your school. Those are going to be the first options that you always see. They're the standard ones, and especially they're the ones that the school markets the most. Um, The next is going to be uh, looking at outside programs. So those are study programs that outside companies tend to run. So that's something like um, they have like uh, working semesters in Australia sort of thing that are a hybrid of uh, work and school. Those are outside programs. Again, typically companies run those. And then the last is kind of the create your own, as I like to call it. Uh, This is what I ended up doing. And um, that is typically approaching an outside school and doing the legwork yourself in order to create a some sort of direct exchange, typically. Um, and you do have to have the school like help you out and set up an agreement there, but you can actually go, and a lot of people don't realize this, if you don't have something at your school and you want something at your school, you can approach the school and say, hey, I want this. Help me get to do this at this school. So that's the create your own version. Mm-hmm. 
So especially, wait, sorry. I just want to say, especially when you um, are in a creative field and everyone is basically studying very similar things. If you can craft your own program, it doesn't have to be a creative field, but if you can craft your program to be based on what you're really interested in, it's going to push you in a different direction. That's for the better, right? Yep. So I just wanted to put that note in here. Yep. Um, and just immediately bouncing off of that. Um, when it comes to looking at which one of those you want to do, uh, kind of figuring out what your values are and what you want to get out of your semester abroad ahead of time is the best way that you're going to do that. So to give you guys my experience in terms of the actual setting it up, I mentioned before my teachers were against me going. That's one side of things. But also um, my school had a specific arts program abroad in Venice uh, that was for the entire fine arts program. And I really didn't want to do that because it to me, it always just felt like the painting program that had a graphic design class get tacked on at the last minute kind of thing. <laughs> I was like, why would I go to Venice? I understand that's an amazing place for fine arts, but I'm not actually in a fine art technically. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm in the design program, which is a little bit different. My focus is elsewhere. So I knew that I really didn't want to do the standard program that way. And because my school did not really have any other options, um, I knew I was going to have to figure it out by myself. So my school also had a spring program in Amsterdam. So if you know design, Amsterdam actually has a very, very, very solid design hub. They're one of the best cities in the world when it comes to like forefront of design and technology um, in that field. And that would have made a lot of sense. But the problem was it was a spring break program. And sometimes you'll see these programs that are either over the summer or they're uh, two weeks long over spring break and then the week after spring break, typically. And those kind of programs are always going to be additional payment on top of what you're already paying your school. And financially, I just did not want to commit to several thousands dollars more for this two-week program sort of thing. Um, I was very determined to make it so that it was just replacing a semester at my college rather than um, doing anything else in that regard. I was going to say that totally makes sense because if you think about it, if you were paying $3,000 for that what 10 day trip versus if you paid I don't know your tuition and you were there for four months that's a really big difference yeah in terms of like time and like even mentally getting yourself in there although I have to say though mm -hmm. our school our program had a spring break exchange program where mm -hmm. it was um we had a school from Rotterdam that came and studied fashion technology and object design and product design with us and um they did a project together here um, and then they took that stuff mm -hmm. back to Rotterdam. And so then our class followed them to Rotterdam and they created like a show there um, from their class projects together. And I thought that was a really cool idea. So like it was technically a one month long program where two months they would send people over and then for the other two months you would be over there with their team so it was like right. it was kind of like a I thought it was a good hybrid of exchanging ideas and just joining forces so I mean you really have to do your research into what kind of mm -hmm. work people or you know you can expect to be doing in that program right um and so yeah I just wanted to bring that up that there are a few programs worth doing this and we also had a um a a spring break program where um, this was actually a semester long program where you would go to a ruins to collect 
field data. Um, and this is for a archaeology art class that we had, archaeology art history class. Um, and you would go into the site, so like Petro Jordan, let's say, and you would collect all these like ruins right, and, yeah. and all the data you need. You bring it back and that will be your semester long project. Um, so there are different ways to do this. And people who can't do semester long projects for whatever reason, this is a really good um, experience yeah. as well. You just have to understand like what you're getting out of it. Like Michelle had said before, like what is the value um, for the different times that you're going to be abroad. Right. And then when it comes to um, those programs, typically the ones where you have that sort of either split semester or spring break semester, those are going to be things that are typically run by your school. So it's not something it's, it's more going to be the financial side of things that you're going to want to pay most attention to. Um, whereas if you're creating your own program and doing like a direct exchange for a semester with a brand new school, which is what I did, um, you're going to actually have to pay a little bit more attention to how do these credits then transfer back into my school. Um, so there definitely is some legwork that you need to do. I actually, um, so when I did go to Singapore, that was actually the second time I had attempted to study abroad. The first time uh, I had actually been planning on going to Seoul, South Korea for a semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that it didn't end up working out is because there was no way to transfer the credits in, in the way that I wanted them to. So I ended up having to drop the program simply because it wouldn't have applied to my degree in a way that would let me graduate on time. So you really do have to pay attention for that. And let me ask you really quickly, because for me, my program, so my grades didn't transfer and my school only accepted a pass or fail. Was that the same thing as yours or did you actually your grade your letter grade transferred um I believe so one of the schools I can't it's been too long <laughs> is, the, is the short <laughs> answer but I remember that being I remember that discussion coming up and one of the schools was going to be a pass or fail and the other one said that some of the classes would do a letter grade and some wouldn't and I think I just ended up doing a pass or fail for all of them if I remember correctly Yes. And so that's something that you also have to think about when you're abroad. And I think I really appreciate that you brought up this point is like, think about how your credits are going to transfer mm -hmm. uh, and whether or not it's a pass fail system, because different schools have different grading systems, right? You want to um, make sure that it doesn't kill your GPA or what have you um, for graduation, because I mean, in the long run, it doesn't really matter when you get a job. It's basically, um, about your portfolio if you're in the creative industry, but if you're in an industry where yes, your grade does matter, then you want to make sure that you don't jeopardize your chances of, I don't know, getting scholarship or um, yeah, just like graduating with honors. So um, from what I understand, pass fail study broad systems don't actually affect the GPA, but definitely yes, Christina's right. Double check with your school and make sure, especially if you're in a more traditional trajectory in terms of your degree. Um, something like medicine, for example. Although medicine has, actually, that's a bad example. It's got very, very strict. <laughs> <laughs> mm, engineering. Engineering. <laughs> or one of the sciences. How about that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like pick the one, the one that doesn't really, if you're in medicine, whatever your study abroad department says you need to do, you got to do. You don't yeah, really do it. <laughs> so... <laughs> don't listen to us babble about that one. <laughs> right. Sorry. All the other majors though. Yes. Um, yeah, just a total wrong one. So, um, yeah, but kind of jumping back to what I was talking about with the uh, picking a program that's right for you, um, paying attention to where in the world you want to study something is probably 
the most important aspect of choosing a study abroad program. So as I mentioned before, my one study abroad option was going to be in Venice. And I was like, why would I want to go there for design? I'd much rather be someplace that actually has a design influence. And that's why I ended up in Singapore, um, which made a lot of sense. And when I did go, uh, one of the classes I took, for example, was a branding class. And I ended up learning both the Western system for branding and the Eastern system for branding as a result. And so when I started moving into my job, that became a huge advantage for me because I knew different options and I could make my own blend sort of thing. So being able to pick up things culturally from a specific location is hugely important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also want to add that um, in a previous episode, I did mention that um, the city that you choose will have different um, kind of subsidies for the schools that run those programs. So if you find one that's location specific to your interest or your major, that's going to help a lot. Um, so for example, again, Michelle has said technology and design in Singapore, that makes sense because they have a lot of money that goes into educating the people and they want, it's a city that really wants to become a smart city for the future, right? So they're going to invest a lot of money into those schools in their area um, that really push for those agenda. Um, Mm-hmm. But that also brings me to another point is definitely learn about what each of those programs, like what you're going to get out of each of those programs and look at the course lists and um, go from there. Yes. Um, because some schools, you can pick your own classes and others, if your major requires you do certain classes, then you have to do those, but you can pick extracurriculars outside or uh, electives so that you can Um, Mm -hmm. kind of add more to your learning experience, but don't feel like you're going to be blocked in. There's always a way out of it, but please, please, please do yourself a favor and look into what you're going to learn for each of the classes. I think Michelle was really great that she caught that Venice wasn't going to teach her much in her realm because, I mean, can you imagine if you went to Venice and then you're like, wait, I'm a design major. How did I end up here? I actually, so friends of mine did go for the Venice program and um, it was exactly what I was expecting. It was just an extension of my school's design program. They just kind of literally took the design classes and taught the same ones in Venice. And that's not the kind of experience that I was looking for. I could understand if you wanted to have that kind of experience um, in something like engineering, for example, where you just, you're looking to just be able to follow this specific path. But for me, I ended up getting much more out of the program because I specifically chose a school with a different teaching style versus my classmates who went for the Venice program. And they had a great time. They loved it. But I came back with a leg up knowledge-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this also goes to maybe asking people who have done the programs before and under- like just ask them about how the experience was. I'm sure they'll be very honest with you. Um, if, if it was great and if it was not so great, they'll be able to tell you about where they think it fell short. And then you can kind of gauge from there as well. That being said, don't be afraid if you are the very first person from a program to go, because I was the very first person <laughs> that my school sent to Singapore. And it was, they actually have an established relationship with the school now, uh, but I was the guinea pig. And what I did is I walked into the study abroad office and said, I want to go abroad. I'm a graphic design student. I don't want to go to Venice. Where can you send me? Let's figure this out. And I basically gave them my list of demands and they found the program that fit with me because they have more resources typically than just the school offered programs. They have the list of programs that they've sent students on in the past, for example, or like accepted credits from. 
So mm-hmm. in this case, they hadn't actually even solidified the deal with Singapore yet, I believe. They had been saying, okay, well, this school, we're, maybe we'll set up some sort of partnership with in the future. And then I showed up and they're like, hey, uh, do you want to be the guinea pig? And I was like, yeah. And so I had to do all the legwork <laughs> right. when it came to actually figuring out how things were going to transfer through, what would make sense with this program, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so two two main points here. Moral of the story, uh, don't be afraid to be a trailblazer. <laughs> yeah. And number two, don't be a like, don't be afraid to demand things like Michelle or ask for things, not demand. <laughs> I, well, I mean. <laughs> and then um, number three is, uh, yeah, just be open to a lot of different opportunities that are going to come your way and know that you're not limited to whatever the school says you have to do. Right. Um, funny enough, uh, Trailblazers was the name of the class that I was in in Singapore. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We could change the title of this podcast to How to Be a Trailblazer. Yeah, there you go. Um, but it's really important to keep in mind, especially when you're looking for a city, really college in general. One of the best pieces of advice I got from my dad before I went was him being like, remember, you're paying their salaries. So I always felt very comfortable going in and being like, I'm looking for a program. Here's what I'm looking for can you find me this? Because mm-hmm. I'm paying a ton of money for a school. Um, it's their job literally to help me. So because I always went in with that attitude, although it was very polite, I got a lot of what I wanted in college. <laughs> it worked out quite yeah. well in my favor. Mm-hmm. Um, before we jump on to um, some of the more cultural aspects, I want to talk briefly about payment. Mm-hmm. So um, I mentioned earlier that there are options where you can do study abroad programs with outside companies, for example. Those are typically like the summer and spring programs, but they also have some per semester. Um, When you're dealing with an outside company and there's no agreement with your school, a lot of times uh, the cost may be different than what you're paying for your school already. And then on the other side, if you're doing something that's an exchange program, um, a direct exchange, for example, which is what I ended up doing, they may say you're going to pay your regular tuition here but pay room and board in whatever the school you're going to is kind of thing. So pay attention when you're looking at these programs, because the United States has the most expensive college system in the world. And that also means that most other places you're going to go are cheaper. So in my case, um, I ended up doing my regular like $50,000 tuition sort of thing (laughs) because Boston university is hella expensive. Um, But I did end up saving money because I was staying in a dorm in Singapore and that dorm was, I think a third or a fourth of the price of staying in the city of Boston for that semester. So even with the additional cost of flights and everything, and the food was cheaper over there too. So I ended up saving money that semester. That was my cheapest semester in college. It was the one when I wasn't actually in my college. Um, so it can kind of end up being a money saving opportunity for you in ways that you may not expect. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, the same thing with mine, I just paid my school tuition and then they gave a, a budget to the host family that I stayed with. And that was like my living expenses for like room and board. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it worked out and you know, had a great time, slept well. Yours was a standard, like yours was just your normal tuition payment, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. If I had gone um, and not set things up through my school, actually, really, if I'd gone to the the Seoul program, for example, because that would have been even more legwork because my school didn't have any agreements with them, um, I would have paid typically just their tuition, and I probably would have saved something like fifteen thousand dollars. 
for example. Yeah, so just pay attention. Um, but the other thing is, if you are in school and you are dealing with any sort of scholarships um, or financial aid that you are required to um, do, have basically if you have hoops to jump through to keep your aid, do study abroad for sure. But you're going to want to be limited more to the school programs because a lot of times they won't let you do mm-hmm. that negotiation. Yes, that's a really good point. And then I so. also want to bring up. Um, Another quick point as we kind of segue into the culture aspect of what you get out of study abroad is you need to remember that you're representing not only your home country, but you're also representing your school. So you need to be on your best behavior when you're abroad and you need to be respectful of people. Um, I know a lot of the people listening to this podcast are going to be very good human beings, but I've seen um some pretty bad representation of schools and countries um because people weren't following the rules or people just weren't um being considerate and so definitely be cognizant and mindful of that um, as we transfer into the um cultural aspect of study abroad yes um so one of the things we wanted to discuss was whether or not when you go to study abroad, you really double down and focus on that particular culture that you're in, or you take time and kind of country hop. And there's two different sides to this in terms of like the breadth of the experience or the depth of the experience. And Christina and I did two completely different things. Mm-hmm. So you want to start with yours and then I can start with mine. Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually didn't travel very much at all when I was in Singapore. I specifically stayed within Singapore and then they have, um, well, I guess we would call it a fall semester break over here, except they don't have seasons. So it's semester one break. <laughs> um, but they have, instead of just the spring break, they have one in the first semester as well. And so for that chunk of time, I ended up going to Thailand, not really to travel and see Thailand, but because one of my best friends had graduated the year previous and she lived in Thailand. So I went to go stay with her. And so in my case, I had months in Singapore and then about two weeks in Thailand where I was specifically with my friend and her family. In this case, I ended up doing two relatively deep dives into cultures rather than just trying to go and see all the sites. Um, So what ended up happening for me is a lot of the connections that I have from that time period are incredibly strong and still like full in swing today. One of my best friends I met in that first semester going to Singapore um, I actually used to cosplay, make like costumes and go to conventions and stuff like that. So I did that when I was in Singapore and part of it was really interesting to see how it differs from the U S but one of the people that I met at one of those conventions, he's great. He's still around today. Like I talk to him on a weekly basis. Still, it's one of those, um, if I hadn't spent as much time in the country, I wouldn't have ended up with the strong personal connections. I don't think, um, that I did end up with. And then same with Thailand, uh, I had already, I, because I was staying with a friend, of course, I already knew the people that I was going to be staying with, but by being able to be so heavily ingratiated in this family for that long meant that um, I have actually been back to both Singapore and Thailand since. Uh, my friend's family and I, like, we really get along very well. Her aunt uh, took me around for that week. She was the tour guide. She doesn't speak English, <laughs> but she was trying to haggle for us and stuff like that. And she gave us so many little inside cultural tidbits, I think, that would not have happened if I had, you know, been focused on hitting every country I could in that week-long break sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's more about, for me, it was definitely more about being able to be invited into the homes of the people that I was seeing and and really getting to know 
the lady at the hawker stand selling the food every day and going to see her and her becoming my Cantonese grandmother for months. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of experience that I ended up having. Yeah, and that's awesome. I mean, on my end, I did more breath. So I, because of what I studied and because of the program I was in, we could travel every three or four weeks. Um, and this is like, so I studied urban design and sustainability. So um, I got to see a lot of different city spaces and just learn about all the theories um, that I was or see all the theories that um, I was learning in the classroom being put in real life and kind of experimenting with different city projects. Um, so that was really important. Um, and then if you were a politics major of some kind, you got to visit the UN. If you were a sustainability major, you got to go visit um, waste management facilities and learn about what is being put in use right now and what's happening in the world with you know climate change and pollution. Um, so it was this program that I was in was very hands-on. And so I got to see a lot of different things that were really cool and very memorable. Um, and so for me, it was really about, yeah, seeing the most amount of spaces and cities and places that mm -hmm. I can. Um, but again, it was part of my program and it was how they had built it. And I know I've said this in a few episodes before, but like the, um, the motto for this, uh, program was like uh europe as your classroom right the, the the world you are in is your classroom and that's super special to me um just the way they branded it and the way they taught everything um so i thought that was really cool but it's also really interesting to see that you chose death and i chose breath mm -hmm. um, but that's not to say that i'm not very close with my host family in denmark like i still talk to them right, i still yeah. wish them a happy birthday or Merry Christmas. So I'm still in contact with them. Um, and that's another thing is like the relationships that you get out of um, study abroad is, is truly different because whether it's your classmates um, or anyone that you've traveled with, um, the, the bond that you form is so different because you are all in this very like fresh state of mind. You're all in this very new environment. So the memories are going to be even more um, kind of ingrained into your mind, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really about the connections there as well. Yeah. I mean, I, so when I was in high school, actually, we had a couple exchange students come in from different countries and um, we had a girl come from Germany and she ended up becoming best friends with one of my good friends. And to this day, they still visit each other. And this is going on something like a decade at this point. Um, and they like are basically sisters and they have been since that program. So despite the fact that they live in different countries, they've both been back and forth to visit the other families many, many times. And it all kicked off from the German students studying abroad at our school. So mm -hmm. there's lots of different ways that you can kind of approach whether or not you would want to kind of soak up as much of the region that you're going to as possible, or maybe really do a deep dive into a particular culture. Neither one of those are going to be particularly better than the other. It totally just depends on what you want out of the experience. So in Christina's case, she was focused on, because she was dealing with urban planning, seeing as many spaces as she could. And in my case, um, brief backstory part of the reason i ended up studying abroad that particular semester is i had just had uh, my now husband dump me at the time so <laughs> it's a oh, long story but 
I really wouldn't have been up for constantly traveling sort of thing because I also needed a lot of time for me. So being able to take some time and really forge long lasting friendships in a particular like new culture and have things work out that way was much better for me because of everything else I was dealing with. Um, and mm-hmm. at the same time, even if I hadn't been, maybe I would have gone that way anyhow. Yeah. So. Or you might have gone to Korea instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, travel is just really good for the soul. It's true. Like you learn more when you're traveling than when you read a book because you're constantly learning about yourself, the environment, the cultures and, and everything in between. So it's like highly recommended that everyone does a travel or a study abroad program. So what is your favorite moment of, from your study abroad program of culture shock? Culture shock. I remember the very moment I returned home to the States and that's when culture shock really hit. I just realized how backwards America was like in so many different ways, just like the public transportation, um, like Mm -hmm. uh, lifestyle um, and just like thinking, like the thought process. Mm -hmm. all of it was it was like I just like I'm like okay reverse culture shock I gotta gotta like wean myself back into this right yeah and reverse culture shock that's actually very very common yeah um you're going to experience it especially if you're there for an extended period of time exactly Um, If if you're traveling for like eight months and you know you you don't have a good grasp on like the fact that you're going to experience this this sadness and I still experience it every time I travel and I go back home to my home in the states I'm just like mm-hmm. sad or depressed for two to three weeks can confirm I'm not um, she complains yes <laughs> sorry <laughs> hey girl hey <laughs> messages they're going somewhere uh-huh <laughs> we turned into a podcast called Christina's travel depression I, w- I would I would listen to that I think it'd be entertaining um yeah so let me share let me share a very specific example of uh, study culture shock even. Okay. So this is my favorite moment. I was in a photography class. That was the one class that like I just had to get it out of the way. It was required for my for my major and I was like, well, if I'm going to have to take photography after I had been I had actually been the TA for my photography class in high school, which is why I was like I just don't want to do this again. <laughs> I took photography and I uh was all excited to be doing it in Singapore. We had the first day of the class and we get the syllabus and we go over it. Okay. Everything's good. And then he's just like, oh, come on, I'm going to show you the dark room now. And so me and one other student instinctively pick up our bags to bring with us into the dark room. Everyone else leaves everything on the tables to the classroom with the classroom door fully open, like unconcerned about just leaving their stuff there. And I'm talking expensive cameras, MacBooks, like, everything they own somebody had a gucci bag because it was a very rich student and i was looking around and the israeli student who's the other person who took his stuff we're looking at each other like what the heck why are you just leaving your stuff here somebody else saw our looks and was like you guys know you can leave your stuff right and the israeli student and i shook our heads like really really hard and went no not in our countries you can't it's just a habit we're just gonna go through with it but singapore is so safe that everybody just leaves stuff like cell phones laptops whatever just out and then every other student in the class was either singaporean or from a nordic country so for them they were just like why would you we're in a school nobody's gonna take your stuff and the israeli student and i were like somebody will take our stuff no yeah. So we're the only two people and we have like our full backpacks on in the dark room because we weren't going to leave it out there just from the culture like difference that we have. Mm-hmm. And then that's a big thing. Like you'll see in Singapore, somebody will leave their cell phone mm-hmm. on the table, yeah. like mark spot. 
for where they're going to sit. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I got to stake out a seat. People do that in co-work too. I mean, I I trust people at co-work at my office to not take my stuff, so I leave it out. But like other people take their stuff with them. Um, but you can do this out in a public cafe, right? In Barcelona, it's yeah. you leave it unattended for one minute, it's gone. Um, so yeah, for context, right. guys, I am recording remotely with Michelle, and I am in Barcelona right now, and it is the yes. capital of pickpocket. Yes. Jumping back to study abroad, though, um, there's lots of little moments you'll notice just even being in a classroom. I remember one of my classes, we had, uh, we ended up calling it like the UN classroom, because this class, it was actually the Brandon class. For some reason, a lot of the foreign uh, study abroad students had taken that class. For the, They had two different classes, and all the study abroad ended up in one of them. And so we had two Singaporean students, and then like two Swedish, a Danish student, a German student, a couple Taiwanese students, a Japanese one, me as the token American. I was like always the only American, because there are very, very few in Singapore. Um and then like an English student or something like that. And that was the class. And so as we go through, you start learning a lot more just because you're not the only one from a different country. So we would have these really interesting debates about how things function in different countries because the teacher would say something and the German student would be like, wait, but we do it this way. And then somebody else would be like, but wait, we do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> so there's so much you end up soaking up just from being in that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to add that it's even on a lo- language level, I'm sure when you study abroad, you're going to be learning in English. But make sure mm-hmm. your classes are offered in English when you go. Um, but you can also take a language class. And if you are going to be in a space for a semester, which is basically three or four months of being in a country, try to take a language class and see, just like learn about the culture. So if you go to Spain, learn a little Spanish, um, refresh your high school Spanish. If you're in Italy, learn some Italian. If you're in France, learn some French. Um, It's going to help you make connections down the road um, and language skills will never leave you, right? So even if you forget it just takes a little bit to refresh and then it'll come right back. So definitely take a language class. And that's something that I wish I did when I was in Denmark um, is, is learn a few more words in Danish. Although it was really hard for me though, because as an Asian American, I enunciate all of my words. Whereas the Danes literally speak with a freaking potato in their mouth. It's like I can't do this um but I wish I took a class to learn a few words and just be like you know learn more about the culture and that's something that you should consider doing um and we do offer that um what was one thing that you wish you did when you were study abroad I actually kind of checked all the boxes to be honest I I I'm very, as we said earlier in the episode, I'm very much, if I want something, I'm just going to show up and be like, hey, I want to do this thing. And then I do it. So it's, I didn't really have any regrets. I specifically made it so that my class schedule was as light as possible because I knew I wanted time to explore. So I saw the entire island. Um, I went to Nanyang Technological University, which is way at the west end of Singapore. So I saw the entire island via like the public transit system. I mean, I didn't really have... Oh, and uh, there was no point in me taking a language class because uh, English is the language in Singapore. <laughs> they have four main languages, but like that, everybody speaks English. So when it came to that kind of thing, it was more about just, you know, those connections with friends teaching me Singlish, which is 
English with every other language that is on the island mixed in for slang. I mean, it wasn't really like I had a lot of regrets. I really kind of went, I knew what I was going to accomplish. And I kind of went with the, I'm just going to try everything attitude. And, mm-hmm. and did you, did you try all the different food there? I bet it was really good. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you cannot, you cannot go to Singapore and not be forced to try the food by somebody on that island because food is the most important thing in Singaporean culture. Yeah. They'll literally come up to you and shove it in your mouth. Probably. <laughs> not quite. Yeah, try this. But they're not going to let you, like, for example, I had, I had a large group of friends um, in Singapore by the time I left. They showed up at the airport with food for me to like when I was leaving. That was their Aww, <laughs> so They brought me a spinach and arugula pizza with steak on top. Oh, that was the best pizza I've ever had, ever, and it was in Singapore. Wow! Um, of all the things, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I really, I kind of because I knew what I was going to want to do ahead of time, and because I kind of had goals set up for myself, and I was also one of the most important things is just I gave myself space to kind of figure things out. I went out like. I was the person I brought a book on a date and just like went out to like go eat all the food by myself. I would go on like trips by myself sort of thing. Don't be afraid to just do what you want to do. You don't have to drag anybody else along. Most of the time I was there, I, w- I went out with friends. Sure. But like, if I wanted to go explore something, I wasn't going to wait for somebody else. So I think that's my biggest tip. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea is to like be, be okay with spending time with yourself. I think that's something that's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll learn so much about you, like being by yourself and how you deal with everything, language barriers, how you take care of little emergencies that come up. You just, you really do learn yep. um, about how to manage all of these things when you're traveling and you really do grow. You feel, you know, like you'll, you'll definitely feel a difference between when you started that journey and when you're done or when you've left that place like that, you, you grow so much. Um, and I think you brought up a really great point, Michelle, is that um, you knew what you wanted out of it. And that's something that um, is really important. It's like going in with intention. Um, and I think that's something that I didn't have when I was, in, when I was studying abroad, actually I do. My intention was to learn as much as possible and I did. But um, now I'm more intent on being clear on what I want to achieve and what, what I want to accomplish. And so like you right. really need to figure out like what do you want out of this trip and like write that down and then go after it. Right. And so that's super important as well. It's like know, know what it is specifically you're going after. Yeah, I think it's just a final note. Just remember that study abroad is not the time that you're going to want to overload yourself with classes. Um, because you're in a new country, give yourself time to explore, give yourself time to adjust. I had three classes when I was abroad. I just took three and I was off most of the week. So I was just going to say that was part of the reason that I was able to kind of go through and do all the things that I wanted to do. That's also why, um, the break that they gave us was not actually like two weeks long. I just made it so that I I think I missed a single class. And because all of my classes were like weirdly scattered throughout the week, Mm -hmm. I was able to make it so that I could take that extra time. And I went on so many little solo trips around the island just because I made sure that I I knew I was going to want the time. Like I'm on a new country. Why would I not? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I did the opposite of you. (laughs) I had took five classes or maybe four. I think it took five because there were so many things that I wanted to try um yeah and learn about but that's why you know everyone has a different system right but I still had fun 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I mean, really, it's it's hard not to have fun no. in study abroad. And really, the only way to not have fun is to go and just be unprepared from the get-go. Just be throwing yourself in without actually looking. Um, to do, like, literally no prep work. Or it's to make bad choices is the other thing. The only people I know that, that really were kind of iffy about their study abroad program were the ones that maybe decided that they were going to go to a bad area by themselves and got mugged. Like, mm. it's like a bring your common sense with you. Yes. Yes. Common sense is very important when you're traveling. And for people that are listening and have made it this far, just a quick review. Um, is studying abroad worth it? Absolutely. Yes. Resounding yes. You should go out into the world. Um, you want to find a program that makes sense for you. Um, is it a spring break program? Is it a summer program? We, we both highly recommend the, the semester-long programs because you'll get the most out of that. Um, and keep in mm-hmm. mind of the location relevance in regards to what you're studying. So um, Michelle's story, she's a graphic designer and her school is sending people to Vienna, which is also a great program, but it's not going to give her a leg up in her career or in her schooling. Um, so really think about that. Um, and travel as much as possible. You, you, this is up to you. You can travel as much or as little. Um, Michelle traveled. I think you traveled a lot still. You traveled locally, though. I mean, Singapore itself is a city. It's tiny, so. <laughs> still, like, local, it's like locally you traveled. And then for me, I traveled a lot, but I traveled internationally within, mm-hmm. you know, the neighboring countries that I was in. So um, that's definitely something that, uh, you want to think about when you're planning out these different study abroad programs, or at least thinking about it. Um, and then just like keep in mind of all the different like cultural things that you're going to uh, encounter and all the connections that you'll make. So that's that's really it. Um, do you have anything else to add to the list? No, I think that's we've covered it all. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll sign off right here. Yep, see you guys next week. Hey guys, we hope this was a value-packed episode for you. Are there any questions you'd like us to answer in the future? Send an email to needtoknow.cm at gmail.com. If you liked it, please smash that subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends. Make sure to check out the show notes for resources. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.